0: Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Wednesday, February 12th. S&P futures are trading up about 11 points. That's 35 basis points. Europe is up uh, 35 to 40 basis points. And Asia finished higher pretty much across the board. So from the US perspective, um, I think there are kind of two main items in focus. So you have more encouraging news on the whole coronavirus evolution. So China today reported the lowest number of new cases since late January. So you continue to see this trend whereby... Um, you know, indications suggest that the the you know the epidemic is peaking in terms of the new case count. Now there's obviously a lot of controversy there are, there continue to be allegations that China is miscounting that that the spread is larger than um, what officials are revealing to the public. but nevertheless, I think markets, um, you know, increasingly are are coming to grips with the scope of the fallout from the coronavirus in terms of economics. And if anything, you know, you have this kind of perverse logic where people are almost viewing it now as a net positive, whereby you have a lot of companies that have issued pretty um, cautious guidance for Q1, so you have a very low bar into Q1 earnings, which will you know will come up on in April, um, and then you're going to have governments, especially in China, provide more stimulus. So. You know I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that logic, but certainly, um, you know, I think the coronavirus panic, which really wasn't all that extensive. I, I think markets really, you know were, were, we're really anxious about it for only a couple of days um, a few weeks ago, you know, clearly is peaking. Um, the other big development overnight, obviously is New Hampshire where Sanders won. Um, and again, I think markets are encouraged by the Sanders momentum given that he is viewed as being the quote unquote easiest candidate for Trump to face in November. Um, you know, I will say that he did not win by nearly as much as some of the initial polls suggested. Buttigieg was close second. Um, and if you looked at the Sanders plus Warren combined vote, it fell about 10 points from Iowa. So if you're looking at you know, the extent to which the party is um, gravitating towards either the far left candidates or the more moderate um, candidates... You know, clearly the Sanders plus Warren combined lost a lot of ground versus Iowa. Now it's hard to read too much into these two states. They're both tiny. They're both pretty homogenous in terms of demographics. Um, but you know, the, it is you are seeing some interesting uh, trends unfold. Biden performed poorly again, so probably even worse than he did in Iowa. He fell to fifth place. Um, he will not get any delegates out of the state. Neither will Warren. Um, you know, Biden has been pulling very well in Nevada and South Carolina, the next two states coming up, especially South Carolina. If he were to perform poorly in either of those states, um, you know, it would not be shocking to see Biden drop out before Super Tuesday, which presumably would be a big benefit to Bloomberg. Um, you know, to the extent you see a lot of those kind of quote unquote mainstream Democrats gravitate towards um, you know, somebody like a Bloomberg. Klobuchar performed much better than expected in New Hampshire. So, you know, you definitely have a lot more support for the non Sanders, non Warren candidates than you do Sanders and Warren. The problem is, um, you know, the never Bernie people are not coalescing around a single individual. And if you go back to the 2006 Trump analogy, this is similar to what unfolded where throughout the early primaries, there was more opposition to Trump, but it was dispersed among a variety of different candidates. And that allowed Trump to kind of achieve plurality victories going forward. And then he, you know, ultimately obviously secured the nomination. So, you know Sanders still should be thought of as the front runner, but there's definitely, um, you know, a lot of opposition to him within the party. Um, so that is it on the political front. Um, there was an interesting article on NBC News just talking about how the Trump campaign is thrilled with what's unfolding on the Democratic side, whereby Bernie is the leader, but not decisively, and so you know you definitely could get to a situation where you go into the convention without a clear. Um, candidate in terms of delegates, and then you have a you know quote unquote contested convention, and the party never really um, you know is able to coalesce around a single individual that that will help Trump a lot. So um, you know I think so far all signs point to um, you know I think I think the developments so far are definitely encouraging from Trump's perspective. Um, I still continue to think though, even though I agree Bernie is the easiest candidate for him to face, whoever the Democrats pick there will be times in in the coming months when the polls are going to point to a very tight race. And I think markets are going to have to reckon with that. Um, There will be points where I think markets will get anxious that this is going to be a much more competitive race than um, it's thought to be right now. So that's really kind of it in terms of major macro trends or major macro news. Um, A couple of other more minor items, New Zealand Central Bank issued a decision rates unchanged as expected, but the language was a little bit more hawkish Expected. So the New Zealand dollar has a bid. Uh, large cap earnings out of Europe, are Decent, Heineken, and Kering are kind of the big notable ones. Um, nothing too major on the US earnings front last night as far as macro companies are concerned. Um, you know, Lyft got a lot of attention. Um, the guidance was a little bit underwhelming. Um, Bed Bath and Beyond issued uh, a, a very uh, bad profit warning. Um, and then you had a couple other minor ones. For today, you have Powell's second day of testimony. He'll be speaking before the Senate. He was before the House yesterday. Um, you know, his words really didn't have much uh, impact on markets. I doubt today will be any different. And then tonight, you have the beginning of the January end earnings. So Cisco is going to be most important. Um, just because they're also, Cisco tends to be a pretty accurate macro barometer about just global trends in terms of company enterprise spending, et cetera. Um, then you also have um, Amat. Tonight and NTAP and, and then Alibaba's tomorrow morning. Obviously, very insightful into what's occurring in China. Um, so that is essentially it for today. And then just as far as the markets concerned, you know, you you have this, you know, you have the same dynamic as before, where the big debate among bulls and bears is not fundamentals; it's the multiple. Um, you know, you came into um, right before the Q four earnings season. You were talking about about one hundred seventy five dollars of earnings for this year. Um, you know, depending on the assumptions you want to make the, for the coronavirus, you take that down, um, you know, one or $2, you're definitely, you know, even though the coronavirus panic is peaking, you are going to have a huge headwind in Q1. Um, and then, you know, if the dollar doesn't stop rallying and oil doesn't stop falling, that could shave another dollar or two off of earnings. So you could be looking at 173, if not lower. Um, but if, you know, the multiple is going to 20 times plus, that doesn't, it doesn't really matter or more than offset the decline of earnings that we've been seeing. Um, and that's really the debate. There's not really much um, disagreement among bulls or bears about that that kind of earnings analysis that I laid out. It's really, is the market going to trade at twenty times or eighteen times? And obviously, um, you know that former twenty times camp is 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 kind of winning the day so far. So that is it for today. Uh, thank you everyone for listening.